welcome back to another episode of the Gladiators Den MMA podcast. In today's episode, we are going to talk about everything from the upcoming UFC event in Abu Dhabi, UFC 294. There is so much to go through, super exciting fights on the card, and let's waste no time and get right to it. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Gladiators Den MMA podcast. Now, I know we've been away for a while, probably a month, close to a month, but we are back just in time for the huge UFC event, UFC 294, that is happening in Abu Dhabi this weekend. Now, so much to go through today, and fingers crossed we can get through everything I need to in time, but where else to start than the main event of this weekend? Alexander Volkanovsky, Islam Makachev, 12 days notice, the rematch. So, first off, props to both fighters, right? 12 days notice. I know I've been seeing a narrative that um, Volkanovsky has everything to gain and Islam has everything to lose. To some extent, I agree, because, of course, Islam already pretty much finished with his fight camp and, you know, preparing for a totally different opponent in Charles Oliveira, he still has to accept a fight on 12 days notice. That being said, I don't see how what he gains or loses is any different. If he loses against Oliveira, he loses exactly the same thing as he would if he loses against Volkanovski. The only difference is it is more impressive if Volkanovski wins because he's coming in on 12 days notice. So yeah, I disagree with that narrative, but I do agree with the fact that Islam has to be given props because he did take the fight on 12 days notice too. And he said that quote about, you know, if you're a champion, you have to be ready for everyone. You have to fight everyone. doesn't matter who it is. Answer's always yes. Big respect to that as well. That being said, can Volkanovski win? Absolutely. Do I want him to win? Yes. Do I think he's going to win? Unfortunately not. I. So here's my, here's my opinion, right? After you fight someone for the first time, then you are able to make changes in, you know, correspondence to that fight. So you should be able to come into that second fight a better fighter against that person because you know what they're good at, you know what went wrong, etc. Especially when the first fight was a close fight like we saw with Islam and Volkanovski the first time. So I do expect there to be changes to be made in terms of both fighters' approach. I just don't... It just doesn't favour Volk, right? Because the 12 days notice is an issue. I don't care how good you are, coming in on 12 days notice you are not going to be as prepared as you would like, especially against someone like Islam. So, I believe Volkanovski can finish Islam, and I feel like that's his route to victory. But Islam and his camp obviously know that too, so I assume the only way that they're going to approach this fight is to not take any risks early in the fight. They're going to be wrestling heavy in the first two or three rounds, try and wear Volkanovski out, and then in the later rounds when Volkanovski 
you would expect is slowing down, maybe get the finish. That's what I think. Um, my verdict prediction on the verdict app is Islam KO in round four. And the reason I've gone for that is because Islam obviously is the bigger guy. And in the first fight, Islam wobbled Volkanovski. He dropped Volkanovski. He was landing the more powerful shots. I feel like if Volkanovski is tiring in the later rounds, he's going to have to take some risks and he's going to leave himself open or he's going to be, you know, getting into a couple more wild exchanges and I think he gets caught. Now, that being said, what I hope happens is I hope Volkanovski goes out there and smokes Islam early on. Just imagine if Volkanovski takes his fight on 12 days notice, goes in against one of the best fighters in the lightweight division's history and smokes them on 12 days notice. That would be, in my opinion, a bigger achievement than when Michael Bisping finished uh, Luke Rockhold on short notice. Just because of the whole pound-for-pound uh, pound rankings, because of the first fight and how close it was, uh, and, you know, double champ status, etc. I really hope Volkanovski gets it done. Now... One thing that I do feel is going to work for Volkanovski is Islam Makachev has underrated kicks. And he showed that in the first fight. He was landing some really nice body kicks to Volkanovski and hurt him a couple of times. Now, the fight that Volkanovski has had in between is he fought Yair Rodriguez, who is, of course, very dangerous with his kicks. So he would have spent, I assume again, the majority or a big portion of his camp preparing for those kicks. So Volkanovski is going to be able to use that to his advantage in the Islam fight because he's going to have been, you know, working on certain distant management and stuff like that. Albeit it's for a different fighter, but I think that's going to carry on into this fight and I think we should see some improvements in, in that aspect. Now, Islam, obviously he's had Khabib, Khabib back with him this camp. That's huge because we know how successful Khabib has been as a coach. Um... The fight is taking place in Abu Dhabi, which is like a second home for these Dagestani fighters. So in the first fight where Volkanovski had the Australian crowd behind him, it's going to be enemy territory this time. It's going to be advantage Islam. So everything stacks against Volkanovski in this fight, which is what would make this fight that much more special if he is able to pull it off. Now... I just really hope he finds a way, man, because Volkanovski is one of my favorite fighters. He's 35 years old. I don't believe any fighter 35 years old or older has ever captured a title at 125 to 155 pounds. So he could break another record with that. Um, 35 years old at a lower weight class is the age where you would expect a fighter to start showing signs of slowing down. Every time I've seen Volkanovski fight over the past couple of years, I've been waiting for that moment. That moment where he shows to be a little bit slower, a little bit, you know, less dangerous, a little bit uh, susceptible to his his opponent. But I've just not seen it. He's just been constantly improving. So I'm just really hoping this is not the fight that I see that. Because 12 days notice, again, I keep banging on about it, but it is a huge factor 12 days notice 
it could happen. It could, you know, if he's not fully prepared, we could see his age come into this as a as a factor. But man, I'm so fucking excited for it. Uh, Volkanovski is the BMF, right? Him and Usman. We'll get to Usman's fight in a moment. But, you know, the rumours are, you know, he, him and Dana White said uh, that he had one phone call is all it took. And then he said he was super excited. He was, you know, smiling in his house. He was super pumped. This was the moment he's been waiting for. And he even said that the fight with Taporia is not off on in January, if everything goes well. So, to my understanding, if Volkanovski wins, doesn't take too much damage, he still fights in January. If he comes out of this unscathed, you know, maybe Islam wins a wrestling-heavy uh, victory, he still fights Taporia in January. If he sustains an injury, he needs some rest or something like that, then Max Holloway steps in against Taporia for the interim title. Now, that's a super interesting fight. Max Holloway versus Taporia. Because we know how good to, uh, Holloway's chin is, and we know how powerful Taporia is. But people often forget that Taporia, his base is jiu-jitsu. He is an amazing grappler. Now, if he's able to get Max Holloway down, is he able to submit him? And if Max Holloway is able to win, then we have Max Holloway Volkanovski 4, which is a fight that Holloway's been chasing for so long, but you know Dana White is adamant he doesn't want to do it. So this is like a golden ticket for Holloway. So I know who Holloway's rooting for in this fight, again, with Volkanovski and Islam. So yeah, um, before we finish talking about Volkan, uh, Islam, I do want to address the Gamera, uh, the Gamera situation, because obviously Gamrot was the backup fighter, and when the fight that fight was announced that Volkanovski was going to be stepping in, a lot of people were kind of clowning him on social media. He's doing his job. He's still the backup fighter. He's never not been the backup fighter. A backup fighter is somebody that weighs in in case there's any issues on fight night, the day before fight night, etc. With issues with weight, last minute injuries. Not somebody to step in a couple of weeks before. That's not a backup fighter. They still have enough time, as proven with the with the Volk situation, to get somebody else in. Gamrot's still going to come in. He's still going to weigh in as the backup fighter. So yeah, I think people either just like jumping on a band jumping on the bandwagon, just like, you know, being idiots online, or people just don't understand what a backup fire is. So yeah, I just wanted to clear that up as well. Now obviously moving on to the co main event, Usman versus Kamza. What a fucking fight that is. Now, think right, so are you guys all just as excited for the new main event and co main? Or do you think the previous ones were better? Because I've put this put put off putting this podcast out this week because of how last minute things have been for this card. I didn't want to miss any last minute changes. And I'll be honest, when that video came out that um, Usman had allegedly popped his knee or something, I was a little bit worried. I was like, thank fuck I waited. But we'll get to that in a moment and what my view on that is. But yeah, so... 
thinking about the new fights, right? Usman versus Kamzat. I think this is a much better fight um, for a fan. Although I was super excited for the Costa Kamzat fight because I'm a huge Costa fan. They have a little bit of beef. I was excited for the build up and stuff. And yeah, super disappointed when that fell through. But the fact that Usman stepping in, I like this fight because it's essentially a welterweight fight. They're just not going to cut as much weight. But what makes it interesting is Dana White said the winner of this gets a title shot, which means if Usman is manage, does manage to pull off this massive upset, he gets another run at a higher weight class, which, you know, as an aging fighter, moving up in weight does prolong your career. We could see... Usman get another run. And let's not forget, Usman beat Strickland at welterweight a few years back. So Usman definitely could beat him again. And we could see Usman make another run at middleweight. Which would be fucking cool, right? But yeah. Usman taking the fight on short notice is just as impressive as Volkanovski taking it. Especially against someone like Kamzat, who people don't want to fight. Now, I did see a couple of fighters throw their name in the hat online. Uh, their names are... Um, are escaping me right now. I did want to give a quick shout out. I can't remember who it was. I think it was... Um, who did Vittori fight in his, in, in his last fight? I believe his most recent opponent is one of the fighters that uh, threw his name in the hat. If you just give me a moment, I'm going to quickly check. It was... Just bear with me. Not Jared Cannonier, that was his last fight. Roman uh, Dolids. Again, I probably butchered his name, but you know me. Yeah, he threw his name in the hat, which I thought was pretty cool. He was he was down to fight. And that would have been pretty interesting fight and a good way to bounce back after getting beat by Vittori. But yeah, so Usman taking this fight. Fucking mad guy. Definitely has the tools to win, right? What I do want to mention is... Usman has the best takedown uh, defense in the UFC. He's only been taken down once, which was by Leon Edwards. Now, as impressive as those stats are, I believe it's a 97% takedown defense. It is worth noting that the majority of those takedowns were shot by Damien Meyer. I think he attempted like 14 takedowns in a fight. And most of his fights people haven't even attempted to take him down because they know how good he is or because of how effective his offensive wrestling has been. So even though he has the best takedown defense, he's only been taken down once, which, you know, we can argue was a bit of a fluke takedown. He wasn't expecting it. It was a nice trip by Leon. I still think Hamzat is a danger offensively with his wrestling. Now, Usman has an impressive sprawl, but... Kamzat is so explosive, so powerful. If he can push Usman up against the fence, I have no doubt that he can take him down. And if he can take him down, think about how easily Leon was able to take Usman's back. Now, Leon's not known for his wrestling or his jiu-jitsu. Kamzat is an absolute monster in that area. So if Kamzat is able to get him down, that is like worst case scenario. Because we don't really see Usman ever, you know, implementing any kind of jujitsu. If he ever takes his opponents down, he just smashes them. He doesn't try to go for submissions. And we've never really had to see him defend submissions because his defensive wrestling is so good. 
So it just opens up this whole Pandora box of what ifs. So I think this is what makes this fight so exciting, is there's so many what ifs. Again, think about Kamzat's hardest fight against Gilbert Burns. Usman, you know, he had a bit of a rocky start where he got dropped early on, but he demolished Burns. He can easily put Kamza out. Think about that knockout shot that he landed on Masvidal. If Kamzat comes in all aggressive, Usman is just as explosive, just as dangerous. He could easily put his lights out. Kamzat needs to approach this fight with a little bit more hesitancy, in my, in my opinion. I feel like if he's just absolutely reckless, all guns blazing, raging bull, like we usually see, like we saw against Kevin Holland, I think it could end badly. Now, I think people are sleeping on Usman. He has taken this fight on 12 days notice, yes. He's taken it at a weight class above his usual weight, so the weight cut has not been as hard. His fight with Kamzat is only three rounds. That's the difference. Volkanovski Islam is five rounds, which is why I mentioned the weight cut and the 12 days notice being an issue. Kamzat versus Usman is only three rounds. So that shouldn't be as much of an issue. Again, we know how impressive Kamzat is with his pressure, with his pace. Now, that could be a factor. But if Usman is able to have some wrestling uh, offense activity and be successful with it, he could slow the pace down to what he likes. So, I'm super I'm super excited. Or we could just see a slugfest. We could just see Usman versus Colby, right? Both men might just think, you know what, we're not going to try and take each other down. Let's just stand and bang, which would be fucking amazing. So, yeah, I'm super excited for that fight. I... Similar to the main event, I'm really hoping Usman pulls it off. I'm a huge Usman fan. I would love to see Usman take one more run at the title, but I do feel like Kamzat is um, is too dangerous. I feel like he's going to maybe win a decision. I can't see him putting Usman out. Usman has only been finished once in his career. That head kick would have, you know, knocked out a horse. In his last fight against Leon, he ate a pretty big knee, didn't get knocked out, didn't get knocked down. That knee would have put most people out. Usman has a fucking good chin. Now, yeah, I'm just trying to think. I think Usman's method to victory is to knock Kamzat out or Kamzat gasses himself out in the first round and then Usman is able to implement his wrestling in the second and third. But... Yeah, time will tell. What a fucking exciting weekend we have, right? The fight's pretty much... They're going to be happening, you know, less than two days. I did want to say something else. I've just forgot about the... That's it. Kamzat's cryptic message. Did anyone see that in his interview? So obviously we know in Kamzat's last fight that he... Was it his last fight? That he missed weight by like nine pounds or something. He said that was the first time in his life that he's missed weight because of someone else or something like that I can't remember the exact quote if you've not seen it I recommend seeing it because he is essentially hinting at that somebody made him miss weight or somebody told him to miss weight you know assuming he means the UFC so it was kind of the UFC's plan all along so maybe you know they something happened where they wanted to boost eyes on the pay-per-view I guess or they didn't want to put Kamzat in versus Diaz I'm not sure but he hinted it that it wasn't 
that it was on purpose, that he was told to miss weight or he was made to miss weight. So if that's the case, I'm super interested to see why or what happened. Pretty sure I won't get an answer because he did say I can't speak about it too much, even though he told us most of it. Gave us enough to ponder on anyway. Um, yeah, let's have a look at some of the other fights on this card. So, in the main event, we obviously had Islam and Volkanovsky. Then we have Usman Chimaev. Before that, we have Ankalaev and Johnny Walker. Interesting fight. Because Ankalaev, in my eyes, is one of the best light heavyweights, one of the most dominant light heavyweights outside of John Jones that I've seen in a long, long time. His only loss came in the last second against uh, Craig Jones, which was, you know, one of those crazy submission moments, one of those lapsing concentrations, one of those Chelsea and Anderson Silva moments. Other than that, he's been super dominant. The only time I've seen him look a little bit lackluster was in his last fight. It was just a super boring fight. Didn't really know what was going on. You know, he got his legs beat up. I feel like that would have been an eye-opener for him because not only did Dana White walk out during the fight, but he got absolutely ruined in the media afterwards. So that's got to be an eye-opener for him to make a change. And he's fighting a dangerous fighter with Johnny Walker, who he's so unpredictable, right? He has an unpredictable technique. He's very explosive. He can knock people out from all different angles, but can also be knocked out from almost anything. He has quite a questionable chin. Now... I feel like Ankalaev is going to be dominant. I feel like he probably gets him down pretty easily, gets a submission. He just has to be wary of the unpredictability of uh, of his opponent in Johnny Walker. Now, would it be fucking awesome to see Johnny Walker win? Yeah, because he came into the UFC with all this hype and he was a huge prospect. He was getting these impressive knockouts and then he went on a bit of a, a skit changed uh, trainers, he went out and trained in Ireland, he moved and settled in Ireland, and then he's had a comeback, a very impressive comeback, and it's just really cool to see somebody, you know, it's like the Oliveira story, maybe not as impressive as Oliveira, but one of those where somebody is doing really well, they go on a skit, they kind of get forgotten about and overlooked, and then they make their way back, it's just, it's just really cool to see, so yeah, I kind of, I'm kind of rooting for Johnny Walker. I don't really uh, care who wins that. I think uh, Ankalaev does dominate, though. Then we have um, Ikram Aliskarov. I think I'm saying that right, against Alves. Alves, again, coming in, another short-notice fighter. So um, I don't really give him much hope. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I knew anything about him. Uh, I don't. So I have to go with Ikram on this fight. His only defeat is against Kamzat. Now, he's the fighter I thought was going to come in and step, against, step in against Kamzat. Because he was already on the card. Uh, Kamzat didn't have an opponent. He didn't have an opponent. Why not just put them both together? You know, give the rematch. Uh, I saw something online that because it's in Abu Dhabi, they didn't want to put two, uh, you know, Muslim fighters against each other. I doubt that's true, but kind of makes sense a little bit I guess I just don't think that Ikram is Ikram versus Kamzat if you don't know the history doesn't sell as well and you just have so many more exciting fights for Kamzat and obviously as we saw many exciting fights with the fighters willing to take it on short notice so yeah 
Uh, I think Ikram gets it done pretty early. We saw an impressive knockout in his first fight, but we did see him look pretty susceptible on the feet. So I don't think he takes as much as a risk in this fight, and I think he goes for the submission victory. Now, again, I say this a bunch of times. If you're listening, please download the Verdict MMA app. Follow me on that. My handle, I believe, is Mooney, M-O-O-N-E-Y-994. Uh, and you can see my pics, you can add me as a friend, and whatever, yeah. Then we have the bantamweight fight. Um, Saeed Namagomedov is fighting against uh, Gafarov. Now again, don't know much about Gafarov. I know that he lost his last fight, and I know Saeed Namagomedov lost his last fight. So they're both looking to bounce back. I think Saeed Namagomedov does bounce back. I think uh, maybe decision, maybe... Uh, submission win I I can't remember who he fought last I'm trying to I'm scratching my brain uh, I think he got beat by Jonathan Martinez right Jonathan Martinez has really come into his own recently he seems to be the guy that is stopping all the hype trains but before that he had a couple of impressive wins um, I believe uh, he finished Cody Stamen which was pretty impressive he also finished uh Kakramanov, is that right? Yeah, I think. So yeah, uh, Saim Namagomedov, good fighter, and I think he's going to be the victor. Now, one of the most exciting fights on the preliminary card is Tim Elliott versus Makayev. I'm a huge uh, Mohamed Makayev fan, and I've been riding with him since he joined, before the UFC, because he's from Manchester, I'm from Manchester, one of my friends actually told me about him and I was following him in the amateurs. And yeah, so it's been really cool to see his rise and his burst onto the scene. But this is such a step up in, opponent, in opponents. Tim Elliott is such a dangerous opponent wherever the fight goes. He is a veteran. He's been around. He knows how to deal with adversity. He has very, very impressive wrestling. And Makayev is very wrestling heavy. We've not seen, in the UFC at least, Makayev striking too much now if the fight is on the feet is he going to outstrike tim means i don't know is he going to be able to be as dominant with his wrestling against tim means i don't know tim means his only defeats have only come to the elite in recent history right let me see if i can just pull up here some of these so if i remember off the top of my head i was looking at these stats earlier today i think he's four and one in his last five so, yeah, 4-1 in his last five. So, before that, let's go all the way back to 2019. He got beat by Davison Figueredo. He got beat by Askar, Askar, Askarov. Then he got beat by Brandon Royval. Three of the best in that division, right? From 2019 to 2020. Then he goes on a two-fight win streak against Ryan Benoit, Jordan Espinosa. Good two wins. Then he gets beat by Matthias Nikolai. Again, one of the best in the division. Then he beats Tagir Ulanbekov and Altmarieno in his last fight. So, if I remember rightly, Askarov wasn't able to take him down, although he did win a uh, decision. Askarov is a very impressive wrestler. So, if Askarov can't get him down, I'm not sure if... Makayev is going to have such, you know, success. I don't know. It's hard, man. This is what makes this this sport just so good, right? There's just so many 
questions that you aren't able to answer. And, you know, you can't look, you can't just look at people's past fights because people evolve, people change, people have game plans, etc. going into fights. Yeah, it's hard, man. But yeah, I, I'm rooting for Makayev. I think Makayev is just too good of a wrestler. I just feel like it's going to be an exciting fight because Tim Means is going to give him, you know, a lot of resistance. So what I would personally like to see, I would like to see how Makayev handles himself on the feet. I would like to see Tim Means defend the takedowns and Makayev, you know, strike with him for a bit. But Makayev's sneaky. He 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 can one split second mistake and he can he can have he can be on your back. He is very sneaky with his uh with his entries and with his submissions. Uh then we have the people's champ Trevor Peak. He is fighting Mohammed uh Yaya, is that right? I think. Yeah, Mohammed Yaya. Trevor Peak, I fucking love that guy. His fights are the most entertaining in the UFC. I said it. He goes in there like he's 12, you know, bottles of Stella down. He's had a couple of shots of vodka and he's just swinging like a madman. So if you've never watched Trevor Peak fight, watch his last two fights, you will immediately be a fan and you will be excited for this fight. Now, I have no idea who's going to win. I just know I'm going to be super excited for this one. Um, there was one more fight I wanted to talk about on this card. Uh, two fights, sorry. Nathaniel Wood is fighting Mohamed uh, Naimov. So Nathaniel Wood, obviously English fighter, so I'm running with him, has been super impressive in his last two fights. He obviously beat Andre Philly, one of the featherweight uh, staples in that division. And that was a very close fight. Nathaniel Wood uh, looked very impressive. Uh, he looked extremely impressive against uh, Charles Jordan and against... Uh, Charles Rosa. In his last three fights, he has looked extremely good since he moved up to featherweight. He's found his division. I think he is... He's definitely someone who can make a climb into uh, up the rankings. Uh, I can't remember who his opponent last fought. If I remember rightly, he had... Uh, one fight in the UFC, right? Yeah, that's right. He beat uh, Jamie Malarkey. So, Jamie Malarkey, no easy feat. This should be an impressive fight. He has a pretty strong record of 9-2. and two. Uh, Four wins by KO, three wins by submission. So, definitely a dangerous fighter. Super excited. Man, this card is just so stacked, right? Look at the first fight of the night on the early prelims. Always watch the prelims, guys. Always. First fight is the debut of Shara Magomedov versus Bruno Silva. Bruno Silva is a fucking beast. Now, Shara Magomedov is one of those fighters that's come into the UFC with so much hype behind him and so much, you know, excitement. People, I think, are easily sleeping on Bruno Silva. He is not an easy fighter to beat. Now, I think he has been submitted twice pretty recently. So maybe that's the only thing we need to look out for. Yeah, he got submitted by Brandon uh, Brandon Allen in his last fight. And I remember Brandon Allen looked super impressive in that first round. He did knock out Brad Tavares in his in his fight prior to that one. Uh, he got submitted by Murashat in his fight before that. 
and he lost against Alex Pereira in a decision before that one. So, yeah, and then before, uh, so if we're going to go back up to 22-21, before he got beat by Pereira, he got three KO victories against Wellington Terman, Andrew Sanchez, and Jordan Wright. So, Bruno Silva is a super, super dangerous striker, hits like a fucking train, and is very hard to finish on the feet. Now, based on his last couple of fights, he has looked susceptible to the wrestling, especially now he's going to be fighting and, you know, elite wrestler, the submission threat could be, could be good night, Irene. But I don't think we should sleep on Bruno Silva. He could easily put his lights out and he is going to be very, very hard to put away. He's going to be... It's going to be a good fight. And what a fucking card we have. Right. So that's that card done. I do have a couple of notes of a couple of things I want to talk about before we end. Oh, yeah. I didn't talk about Usman's knee. So before we move off from this card, Usman's knee. Have you guys seen the video? And what do you think of it? Because I'm in two minds. Right. Uh, I watched the video. Of course, it's hard to hear what he says. If I didn't know before watching the video that he, that, that he said something popped, I wouldn't have thought he said that. I went into watching the video with the narrative of he said something popped because that's what all the media posts said. So I'm looking specifically for that. I don't actually hear it. I'm just, you know what I mean? I'm watching his lips move and I'm looking for something popped. Now... It's so easy to, you know, misinterpret what someone says if you're already looking for something. Because when you're talking and your lips are moving, it can look like you're saying something else pretty easily. Now, of course, Justin Gaethje comes back and is defending him, saying he didn't say that. Um, a bunch of people that in his team that were with him are saying it's all bollocks. Usman obviously came out and did a video. He even hit pads after he supposedly popped his knee and uh, yeah, was throwing knees during the mitt work. So I don't know because it's hard for me. I don't want to jump on the bandwagon and say, yes, he did. But then at the same time, he's not going to come out and say, yes, something popped. I'm still going to fight though. Cause he just gives, you know, gives up that he's injured or gives comes out some, you know, extra ammunition. I don't know. So, it's hard. I really hope something didn't pop. Uh, and I could, you know, because we know his knees are shot anyway. I think that's what the issue is with this. But yeah. Hopefully he's fine. Um, UFC has broken sides with USADA. Huge news. So, McGregor won USADA nil, I guess. Now, I have been meaning to read up on this before speaking on it. I have not done that yet, so I will try and do that for next week's podcast. Yep, there will be a podcast next week. If you're still listening now, my aim is to have a podcast out every Wednesday from now. I've finished all I need to do that was preventing me from doing it weekly, so I should be able to. So Wednesday at the latest, hopefully earlier, but yeah, that's my aim. Uh, yeah, so next week I'll talk about that in a bit more detail, but as far as I'm aware, it's not as big an issue as people are making out. USADA 
are losing like 30% of their revenue, 25% of their revenue from the UFC. UFC is the only big sporting company that uses USADA. There is lots of other anti-doping agencies out there that will be just as, if not more effective. So I don't, it's not going to be everybody's going to be jumping on steroids and taking PEDs. Now, I believe um, I saw somebody, a UFC representative, talk about how they will allow fighters to use um, substances when they're injured in, to, in helps of recovery. So that will be pretty interesting to see um, because I think the whole issue with this is because of the leg break with McGregor. Everybody knew he was taking something, right, to help him recover. And then USADA kind of made, wanted to make an example out of him and they would unfairly treating him. UFC didn't like it. McGregor's the UFC golden boy. So the UFC cut ties with them. That's my interpretation. If I'm wrong, somebody inform me because I'm going to do my research this weekend. So if you have any news or you have any links to articles or something, send them to me. Um, TGDMMA at gmail.com or, you know, same handle on Twitter, same handle on Instagram. You know, I'll leave a comment if you're listening on the Podbean. Anything, let me know. Uh, yes, so quickly, we obviously have had a couple of UFC cards that I've missed. Uh, I don't have all the time in the world to talk about them, so I do just want to talk about some of the key events that happened, one of them being the huge Bobby Green upset. Uh, sorry, before that, I do want to talk about how McGregor is back in the testing pool. So McGregor is back in the testing pool, which means he is obviously looking to fight, possibly UFC 300, that's the one that makes the most sense, perfect timing, and Chandler, of course, right? So, McGregor back in, McGregor's gonna at least have one more fight, but, is he still good, guys? I mean, it's been a while since he fought, obviously it's very, very difficult to come back after such an injury. I think people are forgetting Poirier is one of the best lightweights, right? McGregor wasn't dominated by Poirier. He, both fights with Poirier he lost, he was competitive. So he still is an elite fighter. It's just, when you get to such a level, it's hard to start dropping down, right? Giving McGregor ranked 10 to 15 guys just isn't going to get him out of bed. So if he is deteriorating and he is getting older, his skills are starting to, you know, reduce, you're still giving him these killers, he's just going to get beat. So yeah, I feel like uh, this fight with Chandler will, if he loses, be his last. If he wins, will be a huge, huge deal and prove to us all that he still has got it. But yeah, back to Bobby Green. Bobby Green knocking out Dawson in what, fucking 33 seconds? Insane. Now, I don't think this does much in terms of deteriorating Grant Dawson's rise. Albeit, he has been dropped from the rankings. I think he was 15 or 13. No, he was 10, right? Yeah, he was 10. I believe he was 10. Now he's been dropped out. Yeah, so he was ranked 10. He's dropped out of the rankings. So he is going to have to rebuild himself. But, if he goes five rounds and gets dominated by Bobby Green, that makes him look worse than if he just gets knocked out in 33 seconds. Because anyone can get knocked out in 33 seconds, right? This is a very dangerous sport where you can be caught at any moment. Now, Bobby Green is an elite striker. He has really good hands. 
Dawson just got caught. It happens. I think this was the best way for him to lose. Right? If he was to get dominated, like I said, or he was to, you know, people would soon be jumping on. He's really bad. He got fraud checked, etc. I mean, people are saying that now. They're just wrong. Grant Dawson is amazing. He's going to he's gonna be back in the rankings in the next year. Mark my, mark my words. Bookmark this podcast. In one year, Grant Dawson will be back in the rankings. He'll come back better. Um, he'll He's still very dominant. But yeah, what does this mean for Bobby Green? Now he's re-entered the rankings. I think he's gone up to 13, I believe. I am hearing rumours that he's going to fight Dan Hooker. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. That's a fun fight. If he can beat Dan Hooker, then he's going to be top 10, top 5. Insane. But yeah, so I know Bobby Green spoke about earlier that he doesn't want to... He's not bothered about titles. He just wants money. But if he keeps winning, I mean, it's hilarious that he's, you know, what, 36 now? And he's a couple of fights away from being top of the division. But yeah, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just, you know, stargazing, I guess. Uh, yeah, Drew Dober won and re-entered the rankings. Most finishes in lightweight history. What a fucking fighter he is. I love Drew Dober, man. He is such a good fighter. He's been in the UFC for over 10 years. And he just always seems to fall at that last hurdle. So I really hope he can get some more exciting fights. I would like to see him fight um, Paddy Pimlet. If Paddy Pimlet can get past Ferguson, I think Pimlet versus Drew Dober would be a good fight. I remember that there was uh, there was some uh, talk about that recently, um, prior to him getting injured. Paddy Pimlet, that is. Um, Joe Pfeiffer, he's the real deal. Uh, who does he fight next? That's a big question. Joe Pfeiffer is so dangerous, man. He uh, He's dangerous on the feet. He's dangerous submissions. He's been competing in Fury grappling, so he's really working on his grappling. I think he is definitely one to look out for over the next couple of years. Young guy, super powerful. Super cool guy as well. I mean, if you've ever watched him in interviews and stuff. Um, what else? Yeah, okay, there was two more things I wanted to talk about. But before I do... What happens now with Paulo Costa and Charles Oliveira? I was supposed to talk about this at the beginning. So, Charles Oliveira, we've all seen the cut, right? If you've not, have a look. It's fucking nasty. His cut is disgustingly bad. So, if Volkanovski wins, we assume Islam's going to get the rematch, right? Because Volkanovski is fighting his rematch. It's only fair to we do it again. Which means Charles would have to sit out of the next fight. So does he fight Gamrot next? Because we assume the backup fighter is the number one contender. Doesn't always work out that way, but mostly it does. If Islam wins, do we just put Oliveira back in next? I think that's what happens. Uh, With Costa, I have no idea what we do next, right? His elbow is a legitimate injury. It looks fucking disgusting. He did look like he was ready to fight. I know he's had a history of pulling out and weight issues, etc. This one just looks really unfortunate. I think if Kamzat loses to Usman, Kamzat Costa still makes sense. 
If Kamzat wins, he obviously fights for the title next, which means Costa needs to fight someone else. Um, maybe Whitaker. Costa Whitaker would be a cool fight. Whitaker's obviously coming off a loss. Yeah. Um, I've been seeing some uh, interesting stats as well. This is the last thing I want to finish on. Is Obviously, I've missed uh, the last couple of fight night cards, but I just don't have time. Uh, maybe I'll do another recap video. Most likely not, but I might do a couple of YouTube videos or something. So if you don't follow me on YouTube, go onto YouTube and look at the Gladiators Den MMA. I'm going to be more active on there too. But yeah, so Brian Ortega. I know this is random, but it's something I've been thinking about. Brian Ortega has his most recent victory... No, sorry, let me rephrase that. Khabib Nurmagomedov has a more recent victory in the UFC than Brian Ortega, and he's been retired for three years. That, to me, is insane. Because Brian Ortega is, I think, what, 32? He's should be hitting the prime of his career, and he has just been so inactive since his shoulder injury. So, let's go back, right? So... All the way back to 2018, he was 14 and 0 and 1, I believe. He had a no contest early in his in his UFC debut, I think. Um, yeah, so 14 and 0, one of the most impressive rises in that division. I think he finished everyone in the UFC. He had knockouts, he had submissions, he was looking insane. Then he fought for the title against Max Holloway and got obliterated. It happens, right? Especially against Max. We've had the issue for so long where Max is just so much better than the rest of the division. That's not to take away the skill of the featherweight division. It's just how good he is and obviously Volkanovski. Then he fought the Korean Zombie and he looked very impressive against him. And he beat the Korean Zombie... Over five rounds in Abu Dhabi in 2020. Then he fought Volkanovski for the title. And got dominated over five rounds. Almost won. Almost got the submission. Almost pulled off the, you know, unthinkable. Then he got beat by Yair Rodriguez because of the shoulder injury. I still think that that was, you know, um, a submission victory, not a TKO. But let's not get into that. So that was in July 2022. So he's not fought in over a year and he's not had a victory since 2020, October. So it just, if he's healthy, why is he not fighting? And he's still ranked number three. How can you have one win in three years and still be ranked number three? I mean, he is an insane fighter. He is good absolutely everywhere. I just feel like the UFC are wasting so much potential with Ortega if he's healthy. I don't know the ins and outs. But yeah, I just wanted to finish on that. So that's everything for today. Um, be back next week. Hopefully we have a new. We're rooting for Volkanovski. I think everyone is. Um, all my friends are anyway. But yeah, that's it for today. See you all soon. Thank you very much.